0: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day.
0: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together... We are the Locked On Bengals podcast, coming your way every day with all the latest on the Cincinnati Bengals. Today, our crossover episode, and for the playoffs, we went big, we went hard. It's got a little bit of extra content, so stick around to hear from your boy Q from Locked On Raiders and hear what he's worried about or concerned about with the Cincinnati Bengals later on in the show. But we're going to get started with, I think, the most notable item coming out of Paul Brown Stadium on Wednesday. As we record this episode, which is that T Higgins showed up as a limited participant in practice, James, and this will be the equivalent of Thursday's practice in a normal week. So with the Saturday game, it's a little bit later in the week than it otherwise would be. He, according to reports, looked fine for the open portion of practice and that can sometimes be scary. You never know. The severity of injuries when guys are listed as limited, and you see them at the beginning of practice, it suggests that there's been an injury sustained mid-practice. Uh, what what can you tell us from Paul Brown Stadium about what's going on with T?
1: Yeah, I was just as surprised as everybody else uh, to see that because you know he was running routes and everything, and it seemed like just a normal day. And uh, you you see that pop up, and it's like, uh-oh, <clears throat> did he get hurt mid-practice? Is this serious? Is this something that's going to be cause for concern? Uh, less than 72 hours away when the injury report came out uh, from Saturday's game. And the answer that I got was no, that it isn't a big concern, uh, that it is, uh, you know, that, you know, the ankle, the foot, but um, it seems like it's going to be okay. I say that knowing that things can change, right? Like does he, did he tweak it a little more today? Will he tweak it? You just hope not. And the good news is, is this coaching staff is known for doing what? Making sure that the player is good. They'll take them light all throughout the week, and then let them play on Sunday or Sundays normally. Saturday this week, and I think that's what's going on here. Is they want to make sure, excuse me, that T Higgins is as close to one hundred percent as possible. And uh, one source told me that it was nothing. Another source downplayed it. I, I I really I reached out. I was like, it's playoffs, man. I'm beating down every door I can. Is T going to play or not? And uh, it, it seems like that they're not worried inside Paul Brown Stadium about whether or not he's going to play. Feels like he's going to play. Feels like he's going to be ready to go, and that this is more precautionary and playing it safe more than anything. Some peace
0: of mind for Bengals fans that have only seen the injury report today. Hopefully, all <laughs> Bengals fans were listening to the Paul uh, to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Almost said Paul Brown thinking about Paul Brown Stadium uh, to to get their... <laughs> Extra insight into what's going on with the Bengals. Other updates on the injury report. Ricardo Allen and Stanley Morgan upgraded. They were both out for Tuesday's practice and a bit surprised to see Ricardo Allen showing up. He was in the concussion protocol just a few days ago is when he entered that. That was in Sunday's game. He was limited on uh, Wednesday. And Stanley Morgan with his hamstring injury also limited is after he did not practice on Tuesday. And everybody knows even though I screw up his name from time to time, how important I think Stanley Morgan is to this team. He's getting a lot of run on the offense, but as a special teamer, he, he's a very important player for Darren mm-hmm. Simmons unit. So hopefully he's going to be okay and going to be ready to go on Saturday. And, and outside of that, everything else looks pretty good to go. Vernon Hargrave's a, a minor note here. He was upgraded to a full participant on Wednesday, but Joe Burrow, Quentin Spain, CJ Uzama, Cam Sample, Evan McPherson, Sam Hubbard, all these guys who are on the injury report, all full goes. So so some good news outside of of potentially T. Higgins, depending on what that turns into. This team looks like it's relatively healthy at this point in the week going into the playoffs.
1: Akeem Adenogy, another one, and you might have said him, and I just missed it. There's a lot of names, right? But like you said, fortunately, they're on the, the full go list which is a good sign. And uh, who knows, you, you know, maybe you can get a Ricardo Allen back. It's that veteran savviness, whatever medicine he's taking to get rid of that concussion, it seems like it's working. Um, so yeah, hopefully that can happen. Hopefully Stan, Stanley Morgan's uh, hamstring can continue to heal because he is he does matter, right? In in the run game, and certainly matters on special teams. So all in all, as long as T can be close to 100%, and I said, th- look, he's 22 years old and again, this coaching staff, what have they done? They've said, Hey, get off your feet. We're going to play it safe. And that's just kind of what they've done. I mean, Joe Mixon all season long, uh, runs the ball, you know, gets 30 touches on Sundays and then doesn't really go hard at all during the week. I mean, it's uh, just film review Monday, Tuesday's off day, Wednesday he's active during the practice, but it's very little, does very little Thursday goes through the walk through Friday. And, you know, he's 25 years old. They just want him fresh, fresh, fresh. And I think that that's the approach. There's a little issue with Higgins, but I, I don't think it's anything too crazy.
0: Yeah. Hopefully it ends up being the fingers crossed. That,
1: yeah. Cause yeah, can you imagine I come that. out and I throw water on this and then it blows up and again, things can change with injuries. Uh, Zach will talk uh, on Thursday afternoon uh, to us beat writer. So we'll know more then, but that's, uh, that's what I've been told at this moment on uh, on Wednesday night as we record this.
0: Can probably be pretty confident in Evan McPherson who was dealing yep. with a groin injury. Uh, Elliot Fry, who they signed to kick for them last week to the practice squad I believe is now on the practice squad injured list with a groin Correct. injury of his own. And so something with right groins and kickers in Cincinnati. <laughs> Hopefully Evan's good to go because who knows man. In, in a playoff game you never know who you're going to need and when you're going to need him. And Having Evan McPherson kicking 50-yard field goals has, at times, definitely changed the tide of games. And look, man, you're pointing at me, if you're watching on YouTube, you know this, you're pointing at me like I'm downplaying the importance of a kicker. I have not done that since the draft, to be clear. And I do think Evan McPherson is important. Uh, James, anything else before we get to our crossover? I know that uh, there were a few pressers, and I don't know, is there anything else that we need to hit today for,
1: for news items? I really want to debate you about what you just said, but, uh, you know, I, I th- those claims are just, I, I'm not going to
0: the credibility I, I'm not of go, a draft pick on a kicker. I have not downplayed Evan McPherson's
1: ability or importance since they have him. I'm not going to debate you. I'm not going to go all Vince Vaughn wedding crashers on you. I'm going to let it go. We're going to move forward. Cause that, that's the <laughs> flashback I had. I was like, I, I felt like Vince, I had the power of Vaughn and I was about to go. I'm not going to. Um, Other notes? No, not really. I I mean, I I think um, I think we'll we'll have some clips for you later in the week. We're gonna do a bonus show. Uh, You know, that's one thing. The other thing, I want to remind everybody, everybody, if you're in town on Friday night for the Bengals game Saturday, maybe you're not even going to the damn Bengals game Saturday. Jake will not be there, unfortunately. But we are doing a Bengals meetup at Holy Grail starting at 7. Holy Grail, where is it? It's on the banks. It's less than a mile from Paul Brown Stadium. If you're staying downtown, you can walk there even in the cold. If you're not staying downtown, it's a short Uber ride from wherever you're staying, whether it's northern Kentucky or, or you know anywhere close uh, to downtown. So it's on Joe Nuxall Way. real easy to get to be there. And yes, I maybe even will find a way to virtually pipe in a hologram of Jake, Tupac style, so he is uh, in attendance as well. I've been working on my technology and despite him taking a shot at me for just kind of pointing at him on YouTube, I promise I'm going to do my best to make sure Jake is, his presence is felt on Friday night.
0: It's all in good fun. I would love to make a digital appearance if, if we can pull it off. I, I, at least I'll get somebody, I'll know some people there. I'll get somebody to at least get me on their phone and, sh- and show me the crowd at some point.
1: Yeah, we we have a lot of I mean, Commissioner Yaz is gonna be there, Patterson Patterson's gonna be there. Um, I, I know prominent Bengals Bangalorean's gonna be there, Bengals captain's gonna be. There. I mean, there's a lot of and I'm missing some. Uh just off the top though, those are the ones that I've confirmed and a lot of them that uh I think are close to coming, but I, I don't want to confirm and make them commit and then not sure, you know, put, put them in a corner where they don't show up. So those are just some of the the names that'll be there on Friday night.
0: Very exciting stuff coming up next. We talk with your boy Q from the Locked on Raiders podcast to find out what's going on and what's changed with the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: But first, I have to tell you about online gambling.com because we're all looking for an edge these days and. Onlinegambling.com can give you that edge. It's the website dedicated to giving you an advantage week in, week out. Onlinegambling.com gives gamblers an edge by providing the best and most trusted experience online all day, every day, inspiring every gambler in the world to beat the odds. And that's what you want to do, right? You want to beat the odds, you want to win. Everybody likes winning. I'm competitive as hell, I like winning. And that's why I almost went all oh, Vince Vaughn wedding crashers on Jake Lisco a second ago. So make sure you go to onlinegambling.com and check out all of the latest NFL playoff news and tips on how you can get the edge. Visit onlinegambling.com for NFL tips ahead of the Super Bowl as the Bengals try to march march their way to the big game again. Make sure you visit onlinegambling.com/slash NFL for all the latest gambling news and tips. To give you the edge throughout the playoffs, remember OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. It's Thursday. That means it's crossover
0: time, and we welcome on to the Locked On Bengals podcast, Q, your boy Q, from the Locked On Raiders podcast. Q, how's it going, man? Unlikely, I would say, playoff run for the Raiders here, making a a little win streak there to come into the postseason hot. How's things going in Vegas?
2: I mean, it's going. Uh, It's a lot of excitement right now for uh, Silver and Black and everyone in Las Vegas, man. Like you said, after they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, everyone, including myself, thought... That's a wrap on the season. They'll play four more games and they'll do some player evaluation and uh, clean out their lockers, get a new head coach, get a new GM and call it a day. And well, here we are. You know, it's the middle of January. We're talking about a playoff game now. So uh, the Raiders went on a nice run, won four in a row, got their 10th victory. And now they're on the face of Cincinnati Bengals in cold Cincinnati on Saturday. But again, you're talking about playoff football, so you can't really be uh, too upset about that.
1: There's a a bunch of players we want to ask you about for sure, Q, but as far as this Raiders team, you mentioned it, they've won four straight. How have they been able to do that? What's been the the common theme? Has there been a common theme? Because uh, we're going to ask you about the edge rushers. We're going to ask you about Derek Carr, but what is working right now for this Raiders team?
2: Uh, what's working is that they don't mind getting ugly they don't mind doing uh, the dirty work they don't mind you know taking taking the the not so attractive looking girl out to the movies I mean they don't mind just getting it getting it done any way that they can you know what I mean they're they're finding a way to get it done and that's okay you know in December you got to run the ball you got to be able to uh, play some defense and and you just got to Got to make it happen when you can. And, I mean, if you go back and look at the four-game winning streak, none of it has been pretty, but none of that matters because W's are way better looking than L's are. And so they've just – they backed up against the wall and they found a way to get it done. And, uh, like I said, uh, it's, it's it's just so funny that. You know, Daniel Carlson, the kicker, uh, who's one of his special teams uh, player of the week now for four times this this season. I mean, he's been getting it done with his leg. They've walked it off this year uh, six times and five have been on by way of the, the the field goal. So, I mean, it's just again, it's nothing pretty, but they find ways to get it done. And that's, that's all that it's been the last four weeks.
0: Now, looking at this game, a, a bit of a different matchup the first time these teams played. Lopsided final score, lopsided fourth quarter, even second half in general. I think there were some turnovers involved. Joe Mixon started going off. Let's start though with with this offense that I think centers around. I know you're you're pretty high on Josh Jacobs right now, but it's got to be Derek Carr, right? The the league goes the way of the quarterbacks, and the the thing that a lot of Bengals fans are citing right now, of course, is Derek Carr can't play in the cold. I don't know how much that actually matters, but. Would you say he's playing well lately? Just looking at his PFF numbers, for example, looks like he's put the ball in danger. Maybe he had a little bit of turnover luck the last four weeks. Mm-hmm. But whenever you've got Darren Waller out there and the, the wild card that is Brian Edwards, sometimes Moss and people, sometimes just being a guy and and Hunter Renfro in the slot, the, the weapons are scary. So how would you say Derek Carr's playing coming into this game?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. Early in the season, they were winning. They had to have big games from Derek Carr. He had to throw for 300 yards. They had to score 30 points and they weren't doing that. That's why they had lost five out of six coming out of the bye week. And then, uh, you know, they found a way to get it done by other means. You know, they don't have to uh, have a 300-yard passing day from Derek Carr. They don't have to score 30 points. Now, the last game against the Chargers to get themselves into the playoffs, they went over 30 points, but they also went to overtime. I mean, you know, so there's so many different elements to the game, but Uh, They're winning right now by, like I said, any means necessary. And Josh Jacobs has been a, a major factor. He's been able to run the ball good enough. He's not dominating. He's not, you know, going out there being Jonathan Taylor or anything, but he's going out there and he's playing well enough to open up Play action pass to open things up for Derek Carr late in the game to be able to hit a Zay Jones or a Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller's been out since Thanksgiving. The first game he played was Sunday Night Football to close out the season. I mean, he had missed five weeks, so uh, you know he's still trying to get his sea legs under him. And so it's it's just, it, I, like I said, it's kind of everybody is on call, everybody's on duty. Just if if you're breathing, if you have a heartbeat, you you might make a play, you know. And so it's just that's what it's been. Uh, they're no longer having to rely on Derek Carr him, just himself. They've been able to, to co- completely get, like, team wins, which is way more important where you have, uh, you know, complimentary football. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, Derek Carr is going to be the straw that stirs the drink, of course. I mean, he's going to be the guy, especially at the end. If they can keep the game close, they can try to get a w- chance to win. That's what they, they really are good at doing, finding a way to win at the end. Uh, but the thing is, is, like, they don't have to rely on him to be great all game long.
1: When it comes to this offense, you mentioned it, you know, Josh Jacobs is playing better. Yeah. How much of that is the offensive line? How is the offensive line overall? Cause on paper, I would make a face much like I'd make a face when someone asked me about the Bengals offensive line. So how, how are the guys up front playing?
2: Well, I mean, they're doing okay. You know, I'm not going to try to front and act like it's a, a great offensive line. It's just not, you know, Andre James, the undrafted free agent out of UCLA. He took over for Rodney Hudson. He's doing better. He's probably playing the best out of everyone from the center all the way right. Uh, you got Alex Leatherwood, the rookie who got kicked inside from tackle to to right guard. He's playing okay. Uh, and then Brandon Parker, he's, you know, a guy that all Raider nation gets, you know, they kind of hold their breath whenever there's a big time pass rusher going up against him because he's, he's a turnstile, you know, it's like, he's one of those guys. He's just not, not that good. So, uh, they're playing better, but it's not it's it's not great at all, you know, and 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 they're doing enough, especially Andre James, to open up some holes for Josh Jacobs. That's why he's had success. But that offense line still has a lot of work to do. You know, they've got to continue to improve. And so uh, I know that the Bengals have some good rush up the gut. So they're going to really be tested on the interior of that offensive line on Saturday. If, if they want to establish any kind of run game, those guys are really going to have to put in some really strong work.
0: How has James been, before we switch over to the defense and talk Max Crosby and and whether Gus Bradley is going to sit there and cover three the whole game or if he's going to change things up against Jamar Chase, how do you think Andre James will deal with a head-up, really strong nose tackle who can two-gap like DJ Reader? Is it is it something like that specifically that gives him problems, or is it more like the Aaron Donald mold three-tech guy that's going to try to cross your face and penetrate and get up the backfield? i mean uh, it gives him problems
2: it's all the above to be honest i mean really it's it's just it's just kind of getting the familiarity and learning the position you know he's a first year full-time starter and he's just been learning on the fly and so that's that's the biggest thing is everybody that he goes up against is a new challenge for him so he's been doing better though he's been one of the higher graded uh centers from pro football focus at least you know one of the f- the highest graded offensive lineman for the Raiders uh, from pro football focus as of late. But the problem is with the offensive line, it's not about just one individual, you know, you got to have a whole cohesive unit. And so as a, as a whole unit, they're not playing great. And so he could be playing the best ball of his life. But if the guy directly to the right of him is stinking up the joint, then the whole offensive line is going to suffer. That's been the biggest problem. Unfortunately, uncharacteristic not uncharacteristic but un- untimely uh penalties it's never a good time for a penalty but they really get them at the wrong times third and one fourth and one they may be trying to get into the end zone all of a sudden false start or some something stupid that backs them up a holding penalty that backs them up puts them out of field goal range or something happens to them so uh they, they still have a lot of work to do i think they're going to have a lot to address in the offseason as far as the offensive line goes but this is what they got right now i mean you know th- no matter how long they play in this offseason or postseason this is what they have so Andre James Leatherwood Brandon Parker John Simpson Colton Miller all those guys they've really got to continue to try to put that work in
1: let's talk about Gus Bradley's defense a little bit like Jake said and let's start with the stars right I I keep coming back to it when I look at this game and think about this game and I have all week of course Max Crosby Yannick Ngakwe can the Bengals slow them down and prevent them from wrecking the game I think that's kind of the storyline and could kind of determine the outcome Uh, how big have they been? Because I look at it. Crosby has eight sacks, but he leads the NFL in pressures. I remember what he did against the Bengals way back on November 21st. So it seems like uh, that two headed monster, so to speak is a big reason why the Raiders have made a postseason run.
2: Without a doubt, without a doubt, Crosby really has been the leader of the, of the crew. Uh, There's a reason why he's going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Like you said, he's got eight sacks and leads the league in pressures. I mean, this dude, especially on Sunday night, he was just playing like a man possessed. He was uh, harassing Justin Herbert the whole night, and that's honestly what they're going to have to do against uh joe burrow if they're going to have a chance because that offense for the Bengals, as you guys very well know is high flying attack and i don't think that the weather or the potential snow is going to slow them down at all i think it's going to be about the trenches i think it's going to have to be the defensive line is going to have to get in there and harass the hell out of burrow and make him rush to make some decisions or Sack him and maybe get a couple uh, strip sacks or, or some kind of force of fumble and maybe get a couple extra possessions. They're going to have to get that direct pressure on Burrow to have a chance. Uh, the corners, I don't think that they're going to try to play Jamar Chase and company straight up like a man to man because that's suicide. Uh, you know, Gus Bradley likes to be in that cover three. And even then, you know, the goal is not to get beat deep in cover three. Even then, I can see a guy like Jamar Chase getting behind the coverage. But as you guys know, that's not all he does really well. He also catches a short pass and takes it to the house. So, you better make sure that you're able to open field tackle and that's going to probably be tough for these defenders depending on what the field conditions like to be able to i mean he knows where he's going jamar chase knows where he's going the defender doesn't so that's advantage wide receiver all the time and jamar chase is a special special guy i don't have to tell you guys so the defense is definitely going to have their work cut out for him
0: at least for the raiders sake anyway snow currently more or less out of the forecast just cold conditions in cincinnati synthetic surface it's not a grass field in Cincinnati so hopefully the field's in good shape I do recall that Joe Mixon had a hard time with his footing in Vegas the field was getting torn up pretty good yeah real quick before we flip gears and and talk a little bit about the Bengals from the Raiders uh point of view has the run defense been any better lately is is a guy like Joe Mixon a guy that kind of scares you a little bit like I know how good Crosby and Ngakwe are at passing, but you know, we we did our film review episode yesterday, and it looks like there's very much a, a penetrating attitude here that looks like it could be taken advantage of if Joe Mixon can get downhill.
2: Well, I'll tell you, uh, the Raiders' run defense has been a lot better as of late. These last four games, uh, it's been a lot better, and they're going up against teams that want to run the rock. You know, they went up against Cleveland. They went up against Denver. They went up against the Colts. And really, at uh, Jonathan Taylor, he, he went over 100 yards rushing, but I never thought it was uh, 100 yards that really wrecked the game. It wasn't... It wasn't the most effective 100 yards, and I know that's hard to say because it's still 100 yards, but it was was more like just numbers. You know what I mean? It wasn't really that big of a deal. And even last week, you know, against the Chargers and Austin Eckler, I mean, still was able to slow them down. They have really dedicated themselves to trying to slow down the rush because they know that all these teams wanted to run the rock. And so uh, I don't know how Cincinnati's going to attack them. I know that they have the ability to throw the ball around the yard. I know Joe Mixon can get downhill and, and, and have a good game like he did at the second half of the game against the Raiders originally. But I do think that that run defense, uh, they are missing Darius Phylon. That's going to be a big loss. He's out for the season. So that's something to pay attention to. Jonathan Hankins has been dealing with a back injury. He's going to be needed in a major way. Kendall Vickers is going to be needed in a major way. Someone on the interior of that Raiders defensive line is going to have to step up. Cleve Farrell, maybe. He's been kicked inside sometimes. He'll have to step up and try to slow down the run. But they have been doing a good job of that the last four weeks.
0: Coming up next, we'll dive into things on the other side of the ball with what the Bengals will bring to the matchup when they take on the Raiders in the Card weekend.
1: But first, I got to tell you about GetUpside, the incredible app that everyone that buys gas and fills up at the tank needs to know about because you're going to save up to $0.25 cents per gallon every time you fill up. And right now, when you download the GetUpside app, which is free in the App Store or Google Play, you can get a bonus twenty-five cents off your first fill-up per gallon with promo code Touchdown. So it's free to buy or free to uh, to download in the App Store or Google Play. And when you do, you can start saving every time you fill up. So download it now. Get Upside and be sure to use promo code Touchdown. How easy is it? Well, you can deposit your savings into your bank account, into PayPal. You can turn it into an Amazon gift card. So start saving right now with the Get Upside Up it, Get Get Upside app. It is free to download, and again, make sure you use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus $0.25 cents off per gallon on your first fill-up. online would like to wish you a happy
0: betting new year as we continue the NFL playoffs or get started in the NFL playoffs and look toward some of the other sport seasons that are going to continue going even after the NFL is done. And no matter which sport you watch, if you're going to get big into the NBA after the NFL season is done, BetOnline will be the number one spot for you for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. There's a new website for the new year. We've talked about it. It's fantastic. It's simple to use. You can go sign up today. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code locked on. Again, promo code locked on will get you 50% matched on your first deposit at BetOnline.ag. That's free money, baby. We love free money on the Locked On podcast network from football to basketball hockey boxing and UFC bet online has everything you need to make it fast and easy to wager on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts
2: all right here we go james jake it's time to talk bangles raiders bangles wild card Two teams that haven't been in the playoffs for a while. The Raiders since 2016. I believe the Bengals since what? 2015 was the last time that they were in the playoffs?
1: 2015.
2: Yeah. So right. what is the buzz just with the fan base? Let's start with the fans, because I know Raider Nation is fired up for this game on Saturday. What has been the buzz about this game that's going to take place at Paul Brown Stadium?
1: Uh, it's wild right now, Q. Uh, it's uh there's there is a buzz. That's a good way to describe it. And I think. <laughs> It's not just a buzz amongst the the fan base. Uh, I think you can feel it uh, with the players, whether it's in practice when I'm 100 feet away and I have to observe in in you know the cold weather at Paul Brown Stadium uh, or just through Zoom talking right. to these guys. They're excited, but they're not like too hyped. I think it's the right amount of excitement, which uh, you do worry about with a young team, but uh, yeah, certainly excited. At the same time, I don't think it's a, oh, they're happy to be here. Right. Type of thing and the fans feel the same way with Joe Burrow under center and these weapons and the way the defense is played. I think they have a real uh, I think the fans think that the Bengals have a real shot to make a run here. And certainly the players and coaches do, too. So uh, there is a, a buzz for sure.
2: Well, I mean, you get to the playoffs, once you get there, it's like, okay, now that we're here, let's go ahead and make a run. You know, you might as well have some fun while you're there, right? So uh, totally understand that approach from the team uh, and the fan base. Like, hey, man, okay, that was great getting to the playoffs. Now it's time to dance now that you're there. So, Jake, I got to ask you this question, man. This is something that Raider Nation has been talking about all week. There is the Bo Jackson curse, the 31-year curse. I mean, that was the last time the Bengals won Uh, a a playoff game, and that was a bad, sad day for Raider Nation because that was the last time Bo Jackson played in the game. I remember that game uh, just as a fan of the team watching on TV and almost shedding a tear when Bo Jackson went down. So how much has that conversation been going on this week uh, with the fans or even the team? I would
0: say there's some backlash when you bring it up. It's been written about. It's been talked about in Cincinnati this week, and fans see it and are like, no, no, no. We don't talk about that. It's a playoff <laughs> drought. It has nothing to do with Bo Jackson. It, it and other fans will tell you, you know, it's it's about when Mike Brown took over the team from his dad, from Paul Brown, because that happened <laughs> at the same time, really. But I think the other way that that Bengals fans see it is an opportunity to exercise the demon. It's mm-hmm. it's the same team, and I, I think for a lot of people, they see it as. Let's put the the curse of Bo Jackson, for those who believe in it, to bed against the same team by getting a win, right? And so my big hope, obviously, is that there's no repeat. There's no injury resembling what happened to Bo Jackson in this game. Let's get all these guys out of there healthy and happy and, you know, in one piece, because I would hate to see another curse come down 31 years later.
2: Right. Yeah, no doubt about it. And again, just I remember that uh, that game and that play like it was yesterday and it was uh, awful. And I hate the results of it, obviously. And I think NFL, not just Raider Nation, but I think the NFL hates it because, well, Bo Jackson never played another down in the league. So, uh, James, as we start to talk about this game, man, I mean, uh, we know that the the offense for the Bengals is high flying. Joe Burrow's putting up stupid numbers. Jamar Chase is going to be, you know, rookie of the year. I mean, just incredible. Uh, What has made that connection? Especially offensively, not just between Jamar Chase and and Joe Burrow, but just that whole offense. What has made it click so well this year, especially uh, as it led into the playoffs?
1: Oh man, uh, I mean, it's a bunch of factors, but it, it definitely starts with Joe Burrow. I, I think he's such a an intelligent player, and and not just you know pre snap or post snap all around. And so when you look at the targets and or, or the receptions, how evenly di- uh, even the distribution is especially with T Higgins missing some games. And if you just look at the per game splits, it's like, man, he's spreading the ball out and he's doing it well. He's not forcing it to chase because he's got that rapport with him. I know that was a narrative mid season. Uh, certainly hasn't been the case in the back half of the season. And I don't think it was in the first half. I think NFL teams saw the preseason and they said, ah, we'll put chase on an Island. We'll be okay. And he burnt them and burnt them and burnt them until <laughs> they adjusted. it. So um, yeah, it certainly starts with Joe Burrow, but I, I think, that uh, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, uh, they've done a good job putting Burrow in a position to succeed. And, yeah, there, there's a flawed offensive line, but they threw the book at Burrow they, you know, right. this offseason coming off of that ACL. And he has to make checks at the line, has the responsibility to do that. He's under center more than he was a year ago coming out uh, of that uh, you know, COVID year where they didn't have any preseason or training camp or anything like that in person. Uh, or off-season stuff in person rather, and uh, he's adjusted well, and I think he's playing uh, the best ball of his NFL career and uh, has played as well as any quarterback in the league over the past month or so.
2: And Jake, uh, James mentioned the offensive line a little leaky and uh, Joe Burrow got sacked 51 times. That's a franchise record. And I know there was another, what, handful of sacks that went along with it while he wasn't playing. He sat out the last game of the season uh, for no no reason, no reason not to play. There's no reason to play him because they already have secured the AFC North, so no reason to add insult to injury. But how concerning is that? Knowing that Max Crosby's having a hell of a year, knowing in is having a hell of a year, that defensive line for the Raiders is, is pretty stinking good. And Burrow gets hit a lot. How concerning is that going into Saturday's game?
0: You know, it's interesting. You talk about the sack rate. That's 100% true. 51 sacks is way too many sacks. And the Bengals coaching staff will tell you the same thing. And the Max Crosby, Isaiah Prince, it's not even Riley Reef this time who had a tough time, especially yeah. with the spin move that Max Crosby had in that first game. That Euro step into spin move is, is just a nasty move he has. But that that matchup is certainly concerning. I think the Bengals need to have a plan for it. They can't leave Isaiah Prince on an island with Max Crosby very often. It's going to go the same way that it did last week when Max Crosby ate Storm Norton's lunch every down, <laughs> pretty much. I think maybe some fatigue played a factor there at the end. There were a couple plays where it didn't look like he, he had such an impact where they were on the field for like 22 plays in a row. But, you know, that happens. I think that's normal. I have a ton of respect for Max Crosby, but th- they absolutely – Need a plan. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of that plan. And I, I've said this, I said this yesterday on our show needs to go through Joe Mixon, despite how good Joe Burrow has been, despite the fact that I, I love Joe Burrow throwing to Jamar Chase against Tyler Boyd and, and the, the impact that that can have. Joe Mixon loves playing against the Raiders. I've said this a few times this week. He's never had a bad game against the Raiders, I don't think. And I mean, he's from the the Bay Area, of course. And something about playing this team seems to bring out the best in Joe Mixon. So the the Bengals' running game has been a little bit impacted lately, but I think they're going to look at this game and see uh, that this is a, a style of defensive line and a style of defense that they think they can attack in the run game. And they you know, found they, success with the the wide zone and crack toss plays in particular that first time around. So we'll see if or how the Raiders adjust to try to slow down Mixon.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Jake, I wanted to go right back to you with that because I know that Mixon hasn't gone over a hundred yards since I believe like late November, but is that more of a product of him or is that more of a product of that's just the style that the Bengals have been playing and he's fine. They just have been throwing the ball around the yard more.
0: I, I think that he's fine. I think that the, Run blocking has gotten a little bit worse. They have had some injuries on the offensive line. Right guard has been a revolving door that's landed on Hakeem Adeniji. And I think that if I were making decisions, I don't see practices, of course. But based on what we've seen during games, I'm not sure that's a choice I would have made. And I think there's a clear step down, especially in run blocking, although I think he's OK there from from Riley Reef to Isaiah Prince. I think there's just like a scheme mismatch there to some degree and and you've seen the the shift a little bit where they're running a little bit more man a little bit more duo instead of all the wide zone they were running early in the season but i think Mixon's okay i think some of it is definitely matchup based like the last two games he played against Kansas City and Baltimore the Bengals were just throwing the ball right pretty much the entire game before that against Denver i think there was a plan where the Bengals felt like Denver couldn't score they felt like if they got to you know three scores and I guess they didn't quite. 15 points isn't exactly three scores, but they didn't feel like Denver could score. I think they played that game deliberately, conservatively, and Denver has a good defense. And so it'll be interesting because it has been hit or miss, I think. But the last time it really hit was week 11 against Vegas and the following week against Pittsburgh. And then all of a sudden they they go to... They, they play the Chargers, the worst run defense in the right. NFL.
2: Yeah,
0: It's playing too high the whole game. And, and suddenly... They, they can't figure out how to run it against Brandon Staley's team. So, you know, I, I think that some of that is injury based. And I, I just think that it's going to have to be part of the game plan to to try to cause a little bit of hesitation, I would say, from that defensive line and, and make them play a little bit more honestly than just flying upfield every down.
2: And James, does any of the the weather factors, we kind of touched on it a little earlier, but do any of the weather factors going into this game on Saturday, do you think that that'll impact the the approach that the Bengals have? Or do you think that they'll just go in there and play, hey, this is our home, we know how to play in this kind of weather, and we're just going to go play it straight up?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's going to be the the thought process. They've practiced at Paul Brown Stadium the past couple of days. They could have practiced on the practice field, but I think they want the reps where the game is yeah. going to be and practicing in the elements. I know last, I'm trying to think, Thursday, it snowed. They were on the practice field. They Ooh. went up to Cleveland and played, and it was much colder. The the air in Cleveland just feels colder than it does in Cincinnati with that uh, lake effect win there. So, yeah, I think that uh, they're ready for it, and they'll play straight up. That being said, I agree with Jake. I think that Joe Mixon's going to be involved. They're going to ground and pound when they need to. Uh, and maybe early in the game especially to try to neutralize that pass rush from the Raiders if they can at least a little bit take some pressure off the tackles but uh, yeah I think they'll play it straight up I think Joe Burrow will be confident and uh, Jamar Chase I know he wasn't a fan of the cold weather coming from Louisiana right. but I, I think he's uh he's gotten used to it a bit
2: right no doubt well let's flip over to the defensive side of things real quick Jake and uh how, how are the, the Bengals or how has the Bengals defense evolved and even improved some if they've improved since the last time that the Raiders faced them?
0: I, I think it's a pretty similar unit okay. in, in all honesty. The, the interesting matchup to me again is Trey Hendrickson against Colton Miller. I, I think that Colton Miller is very clearly the best offensive lineman on the Raiders. I think Trey Hendrickson is very clearly the best pass rusher on the Bengals. So, you know, that's a marquee matchup to me. I think that the one big difference I would say is that they've got Trey Wayne's back, but he's not even starting. Okay. And so, the, you know, they've probably lost a linebacker since they played the Raiders or maybe they haven't even lost a linebacker. They've had some injuries with linebacker. Those guys came back. Mm-hmm. I don't think Akeem Davis Gaither played the first time around. Did he James? Do you remember?
1: Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think he had just gone out. I believe. Yeah. I don't remember him in that game, but, uh,
0: I, I think there is some cohesion as the years gone on. But the first time the Bengals played the Raiders, I think they were there. Like, I think that was part of the season where the Bengals defense was playing well. I think there was like a first six weeks where they were struggling and, and they had some new pieces. Not struggling, but starting to to learn a system and starting to play together because they've had all these external guys from other teams come in. And at this point, they're playing really well together. The The guy that I like the best on this defense right now is Shadobe Awuzie, who's played mm. like, one of the best corners in the NFL coming from Dallas. He was hurt. Yeah. I think it's just a great scheme fit for him. And, and he, I, I think I've said this on our show, has had some of the best games this year against Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams from any corner that I, I would I would say in the NFL. He's played really well in those spots. So um it's it's a very very multiple defense. They're gonna try to move a lot of things around on Derek Carr. And and it's not necessarily a consistent game plan from week to week. So don't always know what you're going to get from Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator. And it'll be interesting to see how they choose to, to attack or, or deal with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and, and the Marcus Mariota package, which right. has been used a lot more and wasn't really used the first time these teams played.
2: No, it's been used a lot more. You're right. Uh, And sometimes I agree with it. Sometimes I don't. Uh, Sometimes I feel like they force it onto the field, but they have been dedicated to to using that. And and I feel like uh, and I've said this before about the run game is going to be effective or it needs to be effective for the Raiders. But, uh, James, how is how would you kind of classify the the Bengals rush rush defense right now? Uh, As far as I look at statistically wise, they're ranked pretty high. But consistency, is it there or is it not there?
1: Overall, it's been there. I, you know, I, I think they they struggled. I'm trying to think of what week against the Browns. Nick Chubb okay. ran all over them. Yeah, and and that's the kind of the outlier game. But overall, yeah, they've been consistent. And I know for a fact that's the first thing when they look at this week. It isn't right. not that Darren Waller isn't a priority or Hunter Renfro. Of course, it is, but they do not want to let Josh Jacobs get going and and get you know just because of what it opens up for the right. offense. So. Uh, it's a high priority as far as health. They're pretty healthy on the interior of that line. They rotate uh, a bunch of dudes in there. The only guy that could be out is, is Josh Tupau. We'll see if he's out this week. If so, you'll see a veteran, a former pro bowler like Mike Daniels, elevated from the practice squad. So they have some depth on the interior. Uh, like Jake mentioned, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson both back, and and they'll start this week at linebacker. So they're going to fully expect to, to – slow down if not stop the the raiders rushing attack and make Derek Carr beat them that being said you know we'll see it's it's much much easier said than done but that is probably goal number 1 for Louisiana Rumo and company
2: right no doubt and and Jake you know Darren Waller returned to action last week against the Chargers Sunday night football's first time back he had a couple of catches didn't look like him and Derek Carr were on the same page obviously they're going to try to work to get that that relationship uh, you know back and and get on that same rhythm uh, I know the outsides have been very effective as far as far as the defense goes for the Bengals. How has the interior, how has up the gut been? Is that an area of where maybe the Raiders can exploit with a Darren Waller or a Hunter Renfro? How would you say, you know, kind of the middle of the field was?
0: Yeah, I think that Mike Hilton, who they signed from the Pittsburgh Steelers in the offseason, has been a, a fine slot corner. I, I think that the linebackers that are currently out there might be a little bit better in coverage than than in Run defense, although that that could maybe change on a week to week basis. But I do think Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are problems for every team in the NFL, especially Waller, just from a, a mismatch perspective. Hunter Renfro certainly has a short area athletic advantage over most corners he he sees in the slot. And Mike Hilton isn't the best cover slot corner in the NFL, but he's a pretty good player. He's a solid guy. He's not somebody that I'm really worried about. He's not going to make mental mistakes. He might get beat from time to time, but he's not going to just bust a coverage, right? But the the Darren Waller question is interesting because the Bengals have played uh, a gauntlet of tight ends this year. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews twice. <laughs> right. I mean, they've seen the best tight ends in the NFL this year to varying degrees of success. Bottled up Kelsey, uh, bottled up Andrews the first time they played the Ravens, and you know got gashed by Kittle and... I think Mark, Mark Andrews was the entire Ravens offense the second time the teams played, so you'll you'll see uh, Trey Flowers, who they acquired in the middle of the season from from wa- from waivers after Seattle let him go, come in and play the the corner will play a little bit on Waller. they'll try to bracket him a few times with safety and linebacker and you, you might even see uh, Cheeto straight up. Go and and find Waller on a couple of plays. They'll take a varied approach if it's anything like they what they've done the rest of the season for these really athletic tight ends.
2: And I just got a couple more questions for you and, and James. As far as maybe the weak link, what would you say if you're looking at the Bengals defense and say, okay, if there's an area that the Raiders may have some success, it's this. What would you say that is?
1: Well, if Colt Miller can slow down Trey Hendrickson and mm-hmm. and prevent him from getting to the passer, it's okay. Well, who's going to get pressure right okay. it, off the edge specifically? Can right. Sam Hubbard do it? He's capable, but he certainly hasn't been consistent. He doesn't have the you know the 14 sacks that Trey Hendrickson has. Right. Uh, so that would be part of it. And then the other part of it uh, had been you know the linebackers, and and I still think that Logan Wilson, he's back. But three weeks ago, we thought he was probably out for the year and not mm-hmm. playing in the playoffs if they made it. And he he returned, played against the Chiefs. Tough matchup for him. Didn't play last week against the Browns. So we don't really know what he is right now. Um, outside of that, the other one that I would say, even though he's played better, Bengals fans are going to, I don't know, crush me. He went from like the most ripped Bengals player on defense to someone that people have uh, championed a bit, and rightfully so because he's played better. But Eli Apple, um, certainly someone that uh, was a target, you know, that they other teams were targeting. got against
2: the Raiders, didn't he? He he did. Yes. He and, did. And he, I remember ripping him before and then he went that's, and got, right. that's right. God, that's and, right.
1: And he's uh he's really played better the second half of the year coming to his own a bit yeah. and uh is playing common. he's why like Jake said Trey Weins isn't starting. So that's right. another one though to watch because is he just playing above his means right now or is yeah. he finally feeling himself like the first round pick that he was, you know, it remains to be seen, but those are some of the weaknesses that I think the Raiders could exploit
2: that damn Eli Apple. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He sure did get that interception and everybody tweeted at me. As soon as he did, he goes, here's your boy Q. That's your boy. Eli. (laughs) Like, man, I can't stand that cat, man. Gosh, yeah, I disrespected the hell out of him on the podcast, and he went and got an interception, and everybody and their mother hit me up about it. But hey, a- you know Any that?
1: any words to say about him
2: now before the game? I'll make
1: sure he hears him. I'm
2: just kidding. Yeah, man, he's still not very good. <laughs> I probably just gave him bullets and board material. I apologize. But, man, I just can't buy that he's good. But he did get Derek Carr for a pick, and he's playing better ball. I got to give him credit for that. Oh, man, I forgot about Eli. How can I forget? That's the gift that keeps on giving. All right, well, let's wrap this up before I get myself into some real trouble. I'll have Bengals fans hitting me up. And I'll tell you one thing. I'll give the Bengal fans a lot of credit. They are some passionate fans, man. Anytime I say anything that may not be as, as nice about the Bengals as they would like to hear, they let me know about it. So I can respect that. And I've hey, look, man, at the beginning of the season to now, I've totally changed a lot of my feelings about the Bengals, as many people have. I mean, look. Going into the season, they had, what, under Zach Taylor, about six total wins, and now they're six. here in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So they're yeah. they're, they're I got to give them a lot of credit for what they're doing. It's going to be a fun game on uh, on Saturday, a playoff uh, atmosphere, I'm sure, is going to be exciting. And, uh, Jake, we'll wrap it up with this. Brandon uh, – not Brandon Staley. Jeez, he's another guy that I'll talk about later. But uh, <laughs> Zach Taylor, like I mentioned, six total wins in the first couple seasons there. What has he done? How has he grown? Why is he being why is he at a, you know coaching at a successful rate that he is right now?
0: Before I talk about Zach Taylor, one one more Eli Apple note. Uh, <laughs> he, he he almost baited Patrick Mahomes into I think the same pick Derek Carr threw against him. So it's not just Derek Carr. Anyway, okay. Zach Taylor the the thing that he's done well is he has complete buy-in from this okay. locker room. This was something that was very questioned early in his coaching tenure in Cincinnati. He had some veterans some Marvin Lewis holdovers in particular that did not seem to like the way things were going. And those guys are gone. That's part of it. Another part of it is I think that there there are some some changes in the approach from the coaching staff, either with new people or coaches just changing their approach and and their communication style with players that, that have happened internally. And so, uh, I think that it's a, a really good environment. Guys are playing for each other. There's a lot of love in that locker room. I think that's a big deal. I think another thing is he's learning. He was a young head coach. He hadn't called plays in the NFL very much. He did a little bit for the Dolphins, I think, when he was an interim offensive coordinator down there, but was an extensive experience. And so I, I think he's learned a lot. I think he's grown a little bit with Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow may also just be doing a great job of covering things up. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to say, but I will say that, I think Zach Taylor, when you're in the mix for the number one seed in your conference in the final week of the season, which technically the Bengals were, even though they knew it was a long shot, you've earned some respect. And I really respect how far Zach Taylor has come and how that team has kind of grown up with him in three years.
2: Yeah, no, they have. They've done a hell of a job. And like I said, man, I totally respect the team, uh, respect the fan base. And uh, I, like I said, I think it's going to be a fun rematch come Saturday. Uh wild card will be the very first playoff game of the of the uh, or the or postseason. So that should be a lot of fun as well. And uh, you, this is been you great. Respect,
1: you respect everybody but Eli Apple. It's all right. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's Eli right. Apple. <laughs> uh, yeah, Eli Apple, um, no, no. And that means he'll probably have like a hell of a game or something. But I'm Makes sorry, sense. Bengal fans will, will kill me. But look, man, I just, I cannot get on board with respecting Eli Apple. I just, I just can't, I just can't, sorry. But it's going to be a fun I, game on Saturday. Yeah,
1: it, <laughs> is. <laughs> it is, sorry. It I just, I, I'm cracking up at this, this this feud. I, I hope, I hope this becomes a thing. He's going to be a free agent. Maybe he signs with the
2: Chiefs or something. He was a this Raider this offseason, remember, before the, before uh, <laughs> he was a Raider first. And as soon as the Raiders signed him, I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And then they released him. I was like, thank you. Thank you. And, well, there you go. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Eli Apple, I can never shake him.
0: He's going to find you on Twitter. He's going to find me in
2: person one day. He's going to be like, hey, Q, (laughs) it's nice to meet you. Eli Apple, I'll be like, oh, damn. Uh, I wish
0: you you were going to the game on Saturday. (laughs) Let's wrap up there. That's Q from Locked On Raiders. This has been your wild card playoff crossover. Bengals Raiders, Saturday, 4.30 local time. Until next time, Bengals fans, a day, and have a good one.